tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmarlroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands.
Good morning, folks. Rise and shine. Ugh. What's going on? It's Monday. Happy Monday. We are blessed to be alive, despite how we might be feeling this morning. And I'm going to tell you why here in a second. Uh, it was a crazy weekend. There was just so much going on over the weekend, unfortunately. Um, more tragedy for our small community. So of course, we're going to have to talk about that. But let's start off on a positive note. We are thankful and ever so grateful to be here. Trust me. Um, life, you just never know. So we're going to we're going to break it down this morning. And um, why am I taking so long this morning with the show? Well, OMG, you're going to find out here in a second. Can I just tell you, I hate short hair. <laughs> I feel like, you know, you got to have a special talent to be able to rock short hair. And I mean, mine isn't like short, short, super short, but it's too short for me. And it's just too much effort. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, um, I hope that you guys had a relatively good weekend. I think it was a tragic weekend, unfortunately, for a lot of people here in the in the community. So we will have to talk about that. Sorry, I'm just pulling up my feeds here. We're going to have to talk about that and break that down, um, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. So um, how was your weekend? I see we've got a few of our usual suspects here because they know that it's tea time. And we're super excited. We, we're working on so many things behind the scenes, I must tell you. Um, just makes me excited. And... Um, I am absolutely tickled pink to be working on a few projects that we'll be launching here in due course. So I trust that all of you um, will enjoy the changes that are coming. One change that is a bit, um, if you use Instagram, Instagram is very, very different than Facebook, first of all. And so it is different and on the back end of things from an administrative perspective, it is also very, very different. So a lot of times there are things that I can do on Facebook or even um, YouTube to a certain extent with longer content that it's not possible to do on Instagram. Instagram isn't designed for that. So for example, uh, one of the things on Instagram, um, you know, you might have noticed is that longer videos, they have a thing called IGTV, but even that has limitations. So Instagram is not really designed for longer videos. And that's one of the reasons why we don't have the, um, the show on there as we would like to, because live streaming has to be done from a mobile device. There is a little bit of a way to work around that, but trust me, they don't make it easy because they had limitations in place in terms of how long, for example, that you could even stream. So one of the things that we were able to work out over the weekend that I'm really, really excited to share with all of you is that now on Instagram, our links are clickable. And you guys will know this because from day one, we would be like, okay, here's the link. And everybody's like, oh, but your link isn't clickable. And I'm like, I know it's not, but 
we kind of put the link there for you in case you are able to um, just see it and, you know, go to the website and be able to figure out how to find it. You know, if, especially if you wait a minute to read a story, um, sometimes by the time you get back, it's moved down the page. And so you kind of have to have an idea of where you're trying to, uh, where you're actually trying to find that story at. So it might, you know, if it's like a regional story, local story, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so now the links are clickable. So how you do it, just in case you're interested, because I know some of you are more Instagram people uh, than others, is that um, you simply click on, there's a, in the description of the page, the page information on Instagram, there's a URL or a link there that you simply click on, and then that will redirect you to another page with an IG that has all the stories. And then if there's one there that you want to read, you simply click on that. And then that takes you back to um, the website. So it's a little bit, a uh, couple steps involved, but ultimately I think it's, you know, very um, a, a useful tool. Cause I know a lot of people who Instagram is their primary option in, ter in terms of, um, you know, news, especially our younger people. Instagram has a very, uh, very much a, a younger crowd. So check that out. That's a new feature that we're rolling out. Of course, I mentioned to you guys last week that we are going to be partnering with um, a radio partner and bringing you CMR content on radio. So we're gonna hopefully start that and do course. So good morning to Marshall. Good morning to Morna. Ling Ling is here. I haven't seen you in a little while. How are you? Uh, Punctious is always here, very punctual, <laughs> pun intended. Olivia is here. Thank you so much, Olivia, for joining us. Uh, Alice has joined in. We also have Elizabeth, buenos dias, mi amiga, como estas? Uh, Jackie is here. Daphne joining us from the UK says afternoon, her time. Listen, you can have, that's the beauty of tea. You know, tea you can have in the morning, the afternoon, or even at night. It's always tea time. Louis, good morning to you. Uh, his mug is filled with hot Lipton tea as usual. He says, let's go. Good morning, Ervalyn. Debbie is here. Good morning, Debbie. So nice to see you. Felicia. Miss Vernita, Louis is 61 degrees Fahrenheit. The high is going to be 81 and cloudy. And he got rain yesterday as well. Well, we got rain too. And I think we might be in for a little bit more today as well. Yes. Um, nothing wrong with some showers and blessings from above. Trust me. Uh, let me see who else we've got here. David is joining us from wet, cold London. Sounds like a lot of the UK might have gotten rain and the US and Cayman. Um, so yes, we got rain here as well, David. And uh, Louis got it in Detroit. We've got Richie. Good morning. Vernita says your short hair makes you look younger. Really? I don't know, Chow. It's a hot mess. Good morning, Erin. How are you? Alba's here. Elizabeth, uh, Lisette, Blake. Thank you so much, Blake. Happy Monday morning. Diamond Princess is also here. 
Lily Boo, what's going on, Lily Boo? Maria says back home, quarantine time. Ooh, yikes. Hopefully, Maria, you're only doing the 10 days. Um, I actually had two friends that came back recently as well. One came back with the Miss Cayman entourage from overseas. He went to uh, watch the pageant there in, it was at Hollywood, Florida. And uh, yeah, he's in quarantine. And he's going to quarantine with the other young lady from the committee. It's so much easier, I think, when you can quarantine with somebody else. You don't get to lose your sanity, <laughs> whatever's left of it. Um, so yes, you know, you have someone to talk to and you can fix breakfast together. And, you know, it's just good to have company, you know, even if it's just a friend, it's just great to have company when you have to be in lockdown or quarantine. That's why I was always very, very concerned for people who had to quarantine um, by themselves or not quarantine, but when we were doing the lockdown, people who live alone, especially our elderly community, I always uh, really felt for them because to be honest, wow, that's got to be really, really tough, right? Not being able to see your family, your friends. And we know that socializing, I'm sure Leanne and Sarah and Darlene can all agree with this, as well as Miss Bonnie, um, socializing is a very important part of our mental health and our physical health because our mental health is directly connected to our physical health as well. Um, Ms. Bonnie, um, Ms. Bonnie knows this because Ms. Bonnie is, I hope I'm not saying too much about Ms. Bonnie's business here, but um, she is, um, Ms. Bonnie is, um, because of health reasons, pretty much bedridden. So, you know, luckily she has people, I think, who are always around her. But any sort of situation where you can't get out as much as you would like to or, or you know, because of physical limitations... It's a challenge on your mental health. And we're going to talk a little bit about some mental health this morning as well. So Ms. Iva, I still need to try and link you about my mangoes because trust me, I know they're ripening very, very quickly and I do not eat ripe mangoes. So <laughs> I need to get to you soon. Ms. Anne-Marie, good morning. Good morning, Atlas, 53 degrees Fahrenheit in the UK. Uh, Daisy's here. Odalis, I think that's how you say your name is here. Marshall. Said it was hot as hell here in North Carolina, almost 90 degrees. Woo! Yes, sir. Uh, Darlene says the easiest way to handle short hair is wrap and go. I know this concept of wrap and go, but I don't think mine is quite that short. Um, but yes, it's, it's forcing me to tingle with it more than I have time. Debbie, good morning. Good morning, Christine. And good morning, Robert. So let's talk about what popped off for the weekend Shout out to all of our YouTube viewers. We have 38 people on there now, 278 of you in total. So let's get tea time on the road. So, so look at what I did today. It's a little bit crazy. It's like um, those of you who know about ethnic care, um, I basically did a, we used to, we, and I don't know what you guys call it anymore, but in my day, we called it a Chinese bump. So I did my little Chinese rolls last night. And so I've basically got an Afro poof this morning, which isn't exactly the look that I was going for. But you know what they say? Fake it till you make it. And so I'm going to rock this today with as much pride as I possibly can. Um, so thank you. So uh, Darlene says, if I didn't get my renal treatment for three, three times a week, I would be crazy. What is your renal treatment? You're going to have to tell me what that is. 
That sounds interesting. All right. So let's get the bad news out of the way. I feel like, you know, we've got these elephants in the room that unfortunately we're going to have to talk about today. Um, there are a couple of things. Oh, Richie, Richie likes it. Really? I don't know, Richie, but you know what? Like I said, we're just going to go with it because that's all we got today. And I have no time to go and make a professional tinkle with it. So we are well on our way. Um, and I kind of feel like it's going to probably get wet during the day anyway, with all this rain that we're projected to have. So yeah, just go with it. Thank you, um, Atlas. He says confidence is key and it sure can be. Uh, Elaine actually likes it. Well, there you go. All right. So we had a couple of tragedies, uh, tragic events over the weekend. Good morning, Siobhan. Um, yes. I, I did do a little bit last night, but um, in terms of the product, but uh, you know, I don't know what to say, girl. It's just crazy. Uh, Al thinks that short hair is hot. Woo, what a hot mess. Um, so yes, let's let's talk about what happened over the weekend. So first of all, we had a tragic incident in Cayman Brack. Um, I want to extend our condolences because one of the the people um is an avid listener to her program. He's a CMR fan. And his stepson, unfortunately, was involved in a suicide incident over the weekend. You know, I know it's very taboo, I feel like, to still talk about suicide and perhaps by extension, even mental health. But I think we need to talk about it. And I don't know of any other way to say it than call it what it is. It's it's unfortunate and her heart, like I said, breaks for the family in Cayman Brack. I understand that his grandparents um, are from Breakers. So like all Cayman Brackers, he's got Cayman, Grand Cayman connections. And a lot of people knew this young man. He's actually um, quite young. I think around 30 years old. And so... You know, words escape me. Like, honestly, I do not know what to say when something like this happens. You know the parents, you're friends with them. Sometimes you know the individual who has taken their life and you're friends with them. They might be family. And this is just one of those things that really escapes uh, me in particular on how to even handle it. So... What I've been doing recently on our platform is essentially posting mental health information once it happens. Because I feel like as a community, we all know uh, that the person has, you know, um, taken their own life. In Cayman, there's a stigma that is related to that that I think is very, very unfortunate. There are still people who believe from a religious perspective that if you take your own life, that um, you're not going to go to heaven, which I think is, I, I don't believe that. And I think that that's utterly ridiculous. Depression is, uh, there are a number of things that can certainly cause you to be depressed and to have mental health issues, but it is proven that there is a physical component to your mental health. So, you know, hormonal imbalances and other things definitely lead to mental health um, issues. So even when someone is bipolar, people don't just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to be bipolar today. 
and then, you know, they decide to act out or whatever. That just isn't how this works. Uh, you know, people really, a lot of times are suffering in silence. I saw someone post up something, I can't recall who it is now, that I thought was really, really great. And it said something like, you know, suicide is shocking. Um, but what we need to do is look for the signs. It was something like, um, suicide is shocking and we're all shocked by it, but then, you know, we're never shocked by the signs or something like that. And so I think a lot of us don't even see the signs and we don't always necessarily pay attention. And there are times when people are silently suffering and they can actually put on um, a very, what's the word I'm looking for? They can put on a front. So in other words, you know, we think that they're okay. And ironically, on Friday, I'm going to tell you what time this was. This, this is before this. It's just so weird, right? So big shout out to April Cummins and radio the ICCI radio. Because on Friday, I, I was ironically listening to ICCI radio, which I can tell you, I never do. I don't even know how it saved on my car dial, but I was kind of flipping through and there it was. And um, I was listening to something about suicide, especially in the African-American community. So I guess it was a podcast that they were playing from some other source. And I'm going to get a copy of it because I really want to play it here on this program. And they were interviewing a young lady who was saying that you know, she has, um, she suffers from depression and she has uh, other family members that do as well. And, but she never actually really talked about it until her nephew, I believe, or her cousin committed suicide. And then when her cousin committed suicide, she started to explore her own history with mental health and her own history with depression. And she actually found out that his parents knew that he was suffering. Good morning to Kenneth. And unfortunately, they did not, again, there's a stigma attached to it. So they did not talk about it with other members of their family. Um, he didn't seek the mental health care that he needed, which is really, really unfortunate because you need to talk to a professional, which is preferred. And so um, when he took his life, you know, she started on this journey of exploring her own mental health publicly, talking about it, talking about how she had been suicidal on more than one occasion. And then when she started to dig a little bit deeper into, I think it was her, her nephew, when she started to dig a little bit deeper into his situation, she found out that there were a few people in his life who knew but again, because of the stigma, especially in the Black community, we are Afro-Caribbean people. We are Black people. And I hate to say it, but there's certain remnants of um, ignorance, and that's technically the right word. I'm not saying that we're stupid people. I'm just saying that we are a little bit behind the pace with discussing certain things as a community. So we don't want to talk about child abuse, for example. We still are kind of like you know domestic abuse. A lot of us still think that it's okay to be beating each other up. 
Mental health issues is another big stigma in our community. So last week, you guys remember there was a guy who was um, going around like door to door. And a lot of people were alerted to this because it was posted on social media that he was a prowler and he was asking people for money. Well, he seems to have some sort of a drug addiction problem, right? And that same day, I posted a video about uh, the fact that, um, I didn't post a video, I posted a, a post about a video that I had received of people doing drugs. And I must admit that I've actually never seen, except like on TV, and you know, half of what you see on TV, you don't know if you can really believe it or not. It's kind of like, mm. um, but you know, I actually got a video of someone I know doing crack like legit. And so I had to like view the video a couple times. And then I had to ask myself, what are they doing? Are they actually doing drugs? And the person who sent me the video, I'm like, what are they doing? And that person's like, uh, they're doing crack. And I was like, oh my God. What was shocking was that the dealer um, actually decided to record this video, partially showing his face, which is kind of stupid. Because you know the police are going to come knocking at your door. Now they have evidence that you are. I guess they might not have evidence that you gave it to the person, but at least you're recording someone who's doing drugs. That has to be some kind of an offense. I don't know. Maybe it's not. But um, I had someone reach out thinking it was the prowler because apparently he has drug addiction problems as well. And they had me a little bit confused because they're a family member. And as usual, families here in Cayman. Thank you, Sophia. I appreciate the love on the crazy here today. Um, family here in Cayman like to hide a lot of things. And boy, do I ever know. Because when it goes up in CMR, they be calling. And so family member reached out and they started talking about, oh, well, he has drug addiction problems and da, da, da. But they were assuming that he was the person in the video doing the drugs and he actually wasn't. So they had me a little bit confused because I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, and once they understood that it wasn't that person, these were completely unrelated and separate incidents, then they said, oh, I thought it was him. And I said, listen, obviously we have more than one person in the Cayman Islands that is addicted to drugs and that does crack and cocaine and whatever else people are out there doing. And, uh, you know, I didn't disclose even the sex of the individual, but ironically, by the end of the day, I received a second video with another person also doing drugs. And I don't know if it's a thing now to record these people or what's going on. Like everything, social media, mobile devices have just taken over. It's just crazy, right? So, you know, um, there, there means very much a stigma on people with mental health issues, people who have suffered from depression, people who are bipolar, people who suffer from drug addiction and drug addiction and mental health issues a lot of times very much go hand in hand. And so I want us to talk about it. Like, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't talk about it. And I think that by talking about it, we will open up the possibilities of people who are suffering in silence, which you should not be, to actually get the help that you need. You need help. If you are addicted to any form of drugs, and I don't care whether it's a softer drug like marijuana, um, an addiction is an addiction. You know, people suffer from food addiction, from sex addiction, from drug addiction. Um, some people, some politicians are addicted to power. They never want to get out. 
all of these addictions, I feel like you need a therapist and you need professional help for. Some will obviously be a little bit easier to deal with than others, but mental health care is really, really important. A couple of days ago, I was watching Wendy Williams and she was talking about her mom had passed away during COVID. And a couple of days ago was her mother's 85th birthday, I think. And, you know, she got a little bit emotional on her program about it. Um, it actually, you know, she was tearful thinking that her mom, um, this was her first birthday without her. And then she was also saying how every day, I guess before the show, she goes to therapy. And I'd never actually heard Wendy admit to going to therapy before, but she said, you know what? My therapist is almost like a friend that I feel like I can trust. And we all need someone that we can talk to that can give us good salient professional advice. So sometimes that's not like a friend in real life or a family member because the advice they may be giving you is to hide your mental health, um, to not tell people that you're, you're suffering and you're hurting. And I know that there's a significant risk involved in telling someone because a lot of people see this as a weakness. Oh, if you tell people that you um, suffer from depression, that means that you're weak. It does not mean that you're weak. It just means that you're suffering from depression. It's like if I had gout or arthritis or whatever, it's an ailment that I think you need. There's certain kind of professionals that I would go to for those sorts of things. For mental health issues, there are professionals to help you. And K-Man, we need to step it up. We are woefully behind. Um, trust me when I tell you this. And not only are we behind with mental health, we need to set up a mechanism whereby people can actually even just call. In the U.S., they have toll-free numbers manned 24-7. I feel like we need to make those, maybe we don't need to make the services redundant because a lot of times people here again because of this stigma they don't necessarily want to talk to people here oh they're going to talk my business this sort of idea right so i think we need to have a hotline connection to some of these mental health facilities um, in the u.s some of the hotlines where we can just call toll free advertise it locally you know partner with with one of these npos overseas where Caymanians can pick up the phone. They're not going to be charged for it. They can call toll-free and speak to someone if they're feeling like they're going to do something drastic, you know, or if they just need to talk. I believe that um, there's no way that there could be a God and that God would just, would so unjustly judge you, right? It doesn't even make sense, the religious stigma that people attach to suicide, because on the one hand, we always say that, oh, you know, God will forgive you no matter what you do. So you can murder someone, you can molest someone, whatever. And we believe in repentance and forgiveness. But the one unforgivable thing to some Christians is that you could take your own life because you're depressed, which is not something you can help. Like, I don't believe that that's how God would work. Like, that doesn't make any logical sense to me. It can't be that he would forgive a murderer and all these other people for their transgressions. But someone who has a mental health issue cannot and will not be forgiven and will be condemned to hell. And I think that message that we keep putting out there as Christians needs to be adjusted. And we should not be telling people that if you take your life, you're going to go to hell. Um, having said that, you know, I always also believe that if people had one more minute, like you've got to tell yourself in this moment, I want to harm myself. I want to take my life, whatever. But 
give it, give it five more minutes, give it one more minute. Cause I always feel like that feeling and that mood is transitional. You know, we have a saying that this too shall pass. So if you're feeling that way in the moment, just don't do it. Call somebody for help. So, um, you know, my heart really breaks for the family members. And I think it's, um, it's just really unfortunate. You know, we, we know, some of us know this young man. We certainly know um, his family. His stepfather, like I said, is, is a friend to this program. And so I just want to extend my sincere condolences to that family because it, it has to be um, so incredibly hard what they're going through now. I cannot imagine. Um, you know, we've had a few instances of people taking their lives. And I think that when something like this happens, the parents of those who've done it before, this just brings up the same memories. Like poor Miss Stephanie from Breakers. Um, she knew this young man over the weekend as well, but you know that her son took his life some years ago in a very similar way. Um, he hung himself. And there've been others. There was one in Newlands years ago that shot himself. Um, you know, our, our premiere. And again, when I did my conversations with, I don't know how many of you saw that with Wayne Panton, it came up because that was his child. That was his son. And this is a defining moment, I think, in all of our lives. And if we cannot talk about, you know, the mental health struggles that our young people are facing or older people, you know, whatever, are facing, we can never hope to remove the stigma. And so um, Premier Panton was talking a little bit about what him and his family had endured. And that's why they set up the Alice Panton Foundation to try to give other young people a, an avenue to know that there are professionals there. There are people there who can talk with you, talk you through your feelings, and there's help. So I think just never, just never, um, just never do it. You know what I mean? I mean, I know it's, that sounds crazy, but just hang on. Just hang on one more moment. Like have hope that something is going to be different. So good morning. Um, Darlene says, our Cayman society is lacking education, being diagnosed properly and accepting there's a big problem with mental health. It is nothing to be ashamed of. Louise says, let's just say that is a fact that would prevent one to go to heaven. Then wouldn't the church be at the forefront and prevention of suicide and anything that would cause it to happen? Well, that's a, that's certainly a good point, but unfortunately they're not. Um, I've never heard churches speak about, speak out about things like mental health. Um, oh, I shouldn't say never because I think it was last week, quite ironically, it's mental health month. I think we're still in the right month for mental health, but the seven day Adventist church did share, they were having some sort of a symposium on mental health and they did share that with me and I've put it on the page. I'm just trying to see if I still have that information, but thank you to them for reaching out and for sharing that because um, here it is mental and emotional health week. This was May the uh, 10th through the 13th and Saturday, May the 8th, they had a number of different events in relation to mental health. So here is the information on that. Obviously this date has now passed, but um, they had, you know, people could join in by zoom and we put this up. So big shout out to the Cayman Adventist church 
and organizations here. And um, they were talking about youth and suicide, depression and anxiety, and spirituality and mental health. This is almost like a first. It's really unheard of, but I think people need to take advantage of these opportunities as well. So if you didn't know about this, I mean, we did post it on, on our social media pages. And um, it's important that we try to, again, make these resources available. All of these professionals down here, Dr. Sylvia, um, Dr. Sean, Dr. Cooper, and all these, they're not people in Cayman, I'm 100% sure of that. But you know what? We have the available Zoom links, online options that they no longer have to be physically here. So people can reach out. So folks, the bottom line is if you know of someone who is suffering, please do not allow them to suffer in silence. Good morning, Blissful Powell. Um, oh, Sandy's having ideas about the hair situation. Oh, Lord. Uh, Shannon says, I was diagnosed with depression three years ago, and it was very hard for me to believe it, but I'm so grateful for my doctor for diagnosing me. I truly understand more now what people with depression go through. A lot of mine is due to the pressure of my lung disease and how I had been treated at work. Wow. Shannon, thank you for sharing that because, you know, I know how difficult it is to say I suffer from anything. I suffer from bipolarism. I suffer from depression, um, manic depression. You know, these are things that, again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with saying I suffer from depression. And isn't that interesting that Shannon herself did not recognize all of the signs but I'm glad that you recognize something. And, you know, there are lots of, we will have, we will invite some mental health professionals on the program who can tell us about some of the signs that you should be looking for in people around you. Um, and there can be situational depression. So there can be something that will throw you into depression. Uh, the loss of a loved one, for example, loss of a job. And, you know, those are the key things that you need to be looking out for. So, I know during COVID, it was very, very difficult, uh, even in our family, having, you know, my husband lost his father during COVID and not being able to go through the grieving process that as a community, we we're so used to. So funerals have a place in our community and we're used to being able to go to a funeral in person, saying our final goodbyes to that person, being able to cry um, in, you know, a communal way. And um, just get all of, all of those things done. So it's un unfortunate that I think because of COVID, so many of us were thrown into a bit of, we just didn't even know what to do, to be honest. I mean, honestly, it was just, it was just unbelievable. No, no one really fully understood how to cope. And there were people who were going through tragic situations as COVID hit. So CC says, all now, I've not seen that video. Well, I have purposely, uh, thanks, Marissa, for tuning in. I purposely did not share the video with anyone. You know, sometimes I get um, videos that I cannot in good conscience uh, share with people except the authorities. And so I did pass that video on to the authorities. And there's a couple of videos recently that I've had to pass on to the authorities because of the nature of what they are dealing with minors and other such things. 
in hopes that those individuals can get the help that they need. I know we all like to, not all of us, but a lot of us like to look at gruesome things. So sometimes I get like these murder videos out of Jamaica or somebody getting beat or shot or whatever. And it's very, very graphic. And I'm not normally a person who, um, like, I don't necessarily have a problem hearing that stuff. I know a lot of people are like, no, they don't want to see it. They're hypersensitive. I'm not really hypersensitive in that way. It bothers me, but oftentimes I will watch it because I think there's a reality factor to it that I understand that I'm very sheltered, you know, that most of us have not seen anybody being murdered or anything of the sort. And so um, I watch it to get a more of a realistic feel of what people are dealing with around the world. And some people see that kind of violence on a daily basis. But there are certain videos, CC, that I get that I simply do not share. And that was one of them because I also know that the person in that video is also, as well as their drug addiction, they are suffering from mental health problems. And I felt like, hopefully, I only got it from one source, which tends to mean it's not in super wide circulation. Although by the time I get videos, normally they're being circulated quite widely and other people have it as well. But I didn't get the sense that that was the case with this one. And so I don't want to put it out there in any way, shape or form where it's going to be, it's going to go viral and it's going to be circulated. Because even if we don't put it up on social media, I know of other people who would and or, and or, you know, just constantly sharing it on WhatsApp. And I don't think that um, for that person's mental health, that that was the right thing to do. And in fact, I spoke to a politician about it and they said, isn't that ironic? There's a video that you were killing yourself to get. You guys know the one of the speaker. And, um, you know, you couldn't get your hands on that one. And then here's one that you probably didn't even want to see that someone has managed to send you. And it is what it is. Um, it, it's very, very unfortunate. So Marissa says, the thing is the mental facilities and treating you for depression, they classify them as mad. And I think too, you know, a lot of people feel that sometimes what they need is a therapist. And a lot of physicians are quick to just give you a drug. And, you know, drugs of any kind impact you in different ways. So in our very young, they have to be careful giving them antidepressants because that can actually lead to them committing suicide, which is crazy because that's what you're trying to prevent. But I think that there's something with the hormonal components of a younger person and how these drugs tend to interact with them. And a physician also explained it to me once like this. He said, here's the thing. If you have someone um, who is suffering from depression, right, and you pull them out of that depression by way of a drug, what physicians, I think, have discovered is that they go into this, I guess, euphoric stage where all of a sudden they're, they're happier, they're elated, whatever. And just being in that situation can lead to them wanting to take their own life because maybe when they were depressed, they didn't have the, um, the necessary willpower to even do it. And now that they're feeling euphoric, they're like, oh, great, I can get up, I can get out of bed and I can actually get stuff done. And one of the things that's on my list is to commit suicide. I know that sounds crazy, 
in a way, but in another way, it kind of makes logical sense. Um, and so when someone is being placed on medication for depression or for bipolarism, they have to be monitored extremely carefully by professionals. And the thing about bipolar medication, from what I understand, it can take years of tweaking because apparently it's a very difficult disorder to treat, as we can see from someone even like Kanye West. And it can take years for that to happen. And they have to continually tweak the dosages and tweak the medication. And so it's a challenge. And that's an understatement, believe me. And I think that as a community, we just really need to stick uh, by by each other and you know raise more awareness. So Cece says, my, gram my granny always used to say two things. God doesn't forgive for blasphemy and take your own life because he giveth life and only him can take it and you'd never see the face of God. I think that's unfortunate. It's, it's that type of a message that we've all grown up with um, that I think is, is unfortunate because according to the Bible that I read, God will forgive you for anything. So why would there be one thing that God would not forgive you for that is, is oftentimes outside of your control? Um, I don't, I don't believe that CC. I don't think that if we're going to accept that, um, there is a God who's all knowing, who's omnipotent and understands us because he has created us. There is absolutely no reason that God would not know the difficulties that we all suffer, including depression and this sort of thing. The other thing I want to say is people will commit suicide for all sorts of different reasons. Um, sometimes, like I, I know a lot of it's financial stress. Sometimes it's because, you know, of relationship issues. And there's nothing in this world that is worth you taking your life. This too shall pass. And I think that if you really believe that this too shall pass, that moment that you're feeling like you want to do something drastic, just give it another minute. And if it doesn't pass in the next minute, give it another minute and another minute. And this too shall pass. Uh, Giovanni. Um, says that you're acting as you are your own God. That's why deciding whether you should live or not. That's why it's a sin. Well, if that was the case, Giovanni, wouldn't it be people who take other people's lives? Are they not acting as God as well? So if I kill someone, I'm acting as God. I'm taking their life. Um, the state executes people. You're taking a life. You're acting as God. So I don't, I don't believe it. I mean, I do not, I, in my heart of hearts, I simply do not believe that. Um, I think that this is a conject, conjection, whatever we want to call it, of our own, you know, we've made up certain things. Um, and maybe that was one day back, one way back in the day to try to convince people not to do it, that, oh, you'll never go see heaven. You know, we've used the Bible to control a lot of people's behavior. And I could see that, but I do not think that that is, um, that that's what God would uh, want us to be saying to people. So Joyce Ann says addicts have been to Caribbean Haven, refused to go back, saying the men are forcing the women to do things unspeakable. It needs to be fixed or people are killing themselves with no hope for recovery. Wow. I, I mean, I don't know about that, but that would be very tragic if that's happening. I think women in particular are always vulnerable. 
because, um, you know, because there's that sexuality element. They're particularly vulnerable. You know, I've heard of drug addicts um, who are, there's a lady I've heard about in West Bay who is having to um, prostitute herself to, to pay for her drug addiction. And I'm hearing a lot about these drug um, dealers now getting very, like they want their money and they're threatening people and all sorts of stuff. Over the weekend, I was talking to someone about a number of things going on in the BRAC, including how there are known drug dealers who are not being held accountable. Everybody knows who the drug dealers are in the BRAC and they are permitted to get young girls hooked on drugs, um, run around and do whatever, and nobody's stopping them. And I think that's an issue that we need to address. I'm hearing it's very rampant and everybody knows who these people are and they're actually using a government channel, I'll put it that way, to get the drugs out in the community and people seem to know this and nothing is being done about it. The commissioner, I don't know if he's listening, but he needs to step up how to handle that BRAC situation. Um, Delissa, thank you so much for that comment. Darlene says, I couldn't agree more with you since I came to the UK. I've been a supporter of MIND, a local organization that helps in that area. I do volunteer for a few hours a month, just talking to people on the phone and giving them a listening ear. Um, I think that you can also um, have a number of community leaders who do just that, Darlene. They make themselves available for, you know, others to talk to. I remember that even in high school, I was part of a program that was a teen, um, I forgot what they called it now, but it was teen mentoring, but also um, we were just there to listen, you know, and we went through a training program and only certain people could be eligible to participate in the program as teen peers. I think that's what it was called, a teen peer program. But, you know, you, you listen to others and you sat there and listened to them and then you had the support and there were certain things that you knew uh, that was outside of your remit. So if someone came to you and said that they were suicidal, that was when you had to break code and you had to report that to, to an adult. But other things, like if they were having difficulties with like a boyfriend or whatever, and they just wanted someone to talk to you, you were able to bridge that gap and talk to them, perhaps give them some advice. But if you had any concerns that they might have been wanting to take their lives um, or they express any desire to harm themselves, you had to report that like immediately to a healthcare um, professional or a senior administrator in the school who could then reach out. So Atlas says that there's so much expectations on young people. We need to carry the dreams of our elders and try to live our own dreams while keeping our heads above water with low salaries and high cost of living. Sometimes the best help is to offer someone as practical help, listening to, your, to our struggles. Sure, it helps a bit, but actively helping us with our struggles would help even more. Once I hit rock bottom and the counselor reassured me that she would not let me be homeless or starve and would, unfortunately, the rest of that got cut off. Um, Atlas, if you want to finish that off here for us so we could see it. And I agree, Atlas, because ultimately there are normally situations and conditions that are causing people to feel 
the way that they're feeling. They, they've lost a home. They've lost a family member. They, you know, um, Cece, I saw her comment earlier. She would never commit suicide because she's got her kids to live for. Listen, everyone who's probably ever committed suicide has probably said that at, at some point. Oh, I'll never do it because my mom would be devastated. I'd never do it because I've got children. And I think when you become depressed, and this is a thing about depression, um, even in a, a moment or flash, you are not thinking necessarily logically. And so you can't ever say never, like never say never, because you just don't know. So we would hope that none of us get to that point, but never say never. I mean, how many of us can think about people that we know who have committed suicide? And we thought, wow, I never thought that that person would do that. Well, you just don't know. Faith, thank you so much for your comment. So Faith says the Bethilda Counseling Center is offered through the United Church. The churches do offer support for mental illness, but we as a community no longer look to the church for support. We just choose to criticize instead. In general, we need to really work in getting rid of the stigma around mental health. And everyone goes through varying degrees of mental health, depending on what is going on in their lives. How many times did we write off people as crazy or mad? We need to stop and meet people where, and then unfortunately that got cut off. And I think that's true. You know, even um, our, our very famous um, Lovell, who was dancing in front of the governor's house, I passed by there yesterday. And I had to, you know, sometimes I look at what she does and I, I think what she does is amusing, but I think the underlying reason needs to be addressed, right? So I think we're well, listen, Lavelle puts, Lavelle puts her business out there. She says that Dr. Lockhart has tried to kill her. He's a mental health physician. I think he's a psychiatrist or psychologist, but, um, you know, he's diagnosed her with something which she has made very public. And she says that that diagnosis was an attempt to kill her. So, you know, she's protesting in front of the governor's house. And yesterday I was driving by and I had my daughter in the car. And my daughter said, I, I had no intentions obviously of saying anything to my daughter. She's only, she's not even five years old. My daughter's like, what is that woman doing? Cause she was waving the flag. Lavelle has a lot of energy, a lot of physical energy. And um, I can't help but think that it's got to be like a manic depressive thing. She's probably in a manic stage when we see her out doing these sorts of things. Because even the amount of energy that Lavelle has to me is amazing. She will go out there early in the morning and be out there all day long, literally exercising. That's the equivalent of what she does. Waving this heavy flag and banner. You know, I've seen her in high heels shorts and doing stuff that after 10 minutes, I would be pooped. So I can't help but wonder if this is a, a hypermatic sort of situation, right? And so my daughter said to me, mommy, what is that woman doing? Is she shooing flies? And I mean, that was a little bit funny because children don't understand. And that was, a, she's like, why is she waving this thing? Is she trying to shoo away flies? And I had to be very careful how I responded to her. And I said, mm, 
I said, I don't think so. I think she's like just waving a flag. And I didn't want to get into trying to explain to a four-year-old what she was really doing out there. And so she said, oh, um, I was wondering, is there something wrong with her? And my daughter is a very empathetic child, even at her age. So I know she would want to stop and check on this lady if I went too far down that rabbit hole. And she would insist that we try to help her. And, you know, I was like, this is really beyond what we can do. But I said, um, I said, no, she's doing something called protesting. It's when people are not happy about something is what they do. And so that orange thing, because my daughter in that split second, she saw the color of the, she was all into it. She's like, but why was she waving that orange thing? And I'm like, well, it's a flag. She's wearing an orange flag. But I even considered for a minute, at what point do we start having honest conversations with our children? Obviously, she's way too young to understand what's going on with Lavelle. But we have to teach children to be empathetic. And without fail, every single day, I get a video of Lavelle. Like people are sending it to me. Some people don't know who she is. Some people do know. And they're like, what's going on here? Like some days she's a bit more animated than others. When I was coming back out of West Bay, I saw her sitting on the wall having her lunch. So she packs a lunch as well. I thought, wow. So she is meeting to go out there for the entire day. Um, Charlene says so much sadness and suffering in our community and our country, um, also need to start congregational prayer gatherings all over this country and to address faith's comment, faith, thank you for letting people know that that resource is available through the United church. I think a lot of people sometimes, um, don't always go to church. And so maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't always necessarily know about the resources that are available. But I think that the churches could do a better job of advertising those as well, not just amongst their congregation, but just in the general community. Sasha, thank you so much. She has worked and volunteered in uh, behavioral health. A lot of behavioral health challenges have to be monitored greatly, in particular, if the person's on medication. It's difficult in a small community as there's so many incorrect diagnoses and, well, stigmas. Maybe people have behavioral challenges, whether they know it or not, or could be from untreated childhood trauma. Yes, to abuse at any age, even to the science of a brain-delayed development or damage. This is why we need more persons with behavioral... I got cut off, sorry. This screen only captures like so much. Peer counselors, yes, King. And I absolutely agree with that, um, Sasha. I think that this is one of the issues, well, so many reasons why I advocate for protecting children. Because children are our most precious commodity. They're so impressionable. Um, they can be easily damaged. They don't have the life experience, the resilience at five, 10, 12, even 15 years of age to really know how to navigate life. And that's why sometimes I, th I do think that we judge our young people to an adult standard, which is unfair to them. You know, it's not fair to judge a 15 year old. And that's why there's certain things like you can't be 30 years old and be in a relationship with a 15 year old. That's statutory rape. And I think that they should remove the word statutory and just call it what it is. And I think that there should be stiffer penalties for that type of behavior. 
because those are people who are looking to prey on someone who just doesn't have the life experience to make better decisions for themselves. That's why we call them predators, because that's exactly what it is that they're doing. And there's a reason why they're targeting you know, people of a particular age, because they want to be able to use and abuse them and feel like they won't have the defenses because of the lack of life experience to be able to protect themselves. So there's that, which I think is a serious concern, but absolutely trauma from childhood, abuse, whether it's mental abuse, emotional, physical, or sexual abuse will lead to people having issues later on in life where they just cannot cope. And again, I know we live in a society where we're like, put on your shield of armor and just suck it up, you know, and move forward and get over it. We tell children to get over abuse and get over childhood rape. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with us? Like that can't be normal to tell people that sort of thing. Given the amount of abuse that we have in our communities, I'm actually surprised that we don't have a higher suicide rate, to be quite frank and honest. I think that we probably do a pretty decent job of, and I'm going to put this in quotations, coping, because those people still will tell you that they're struggling, they're remaining dysfunctional in different ways. Some can't have adult relationships because of what they have been put through as children. So CC confirms, um, you know, that a lot of drug addicts are having to give out sexual favors for drugs. Atlas says that the practical support lifted so much off of his shoulders. And I agree with that. Now, King is here, and I know King has actually joined the program before and talked about some of his mental health struggles uh, quite openly with us. And King, thank you so much for that. And at one point, King had me scared to death that um, he was going to do the unthinkable as well. And I understood in that moment that that was beyond my scope and that I needed to get him professional help. And I think the practical things, yes, King was struggling with being a qualified Caymanian, having a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and still not being able to get a job that was a minimum wage and had a livable wage even. And whatever was going on with King, I think things like that compounded the situation. It makes it that much more difficult when you're having financial problems, when you're having family problems or whatever, on top of everything else that's going on. So Louis says the decision might be controllable, but mental health is not controlled by the sufferers. So yes, I, I agree, um, Atlas, that we can do a lot in terms of the practical solutions. Anybody would be beyond depressed if they really felt like they were going to be homeless. Hunter says, um, Andrea, honestly, not everyone can take certain things. Um, stuff that I went through might kill other persons, trust me, while a simple thing will push another person over the edge. Me being an expat, I got no one here to talk to, so I suck it up and I have good and bad days. Um, Andrea, I certainly hope that you find someone to talk to. I think it is easier in this day and age for us to reach out 
um, to people because, you know, you can pick up the phone and call them on WhatsApp and so on. And um, if you need someone to talk to, I really do hope that there is someone that you can find. Um, and I agree, Andrea, as well, that everyone has a different breaking point. So there's some things that might not affect me that will affect other people in a very, very different way. And that's that's the difficulty of sometimes when we sit in judgment, which unfortunately is something we all tend to do from time to time. So Ling Ling says in Cayman, we have grown, grown Christian values, but Christianity is deeper than what we grow with. Marshall says, when it comes to committing suicide, it doesn't matter who you are, what you have in terms of family members or wealth. At that point, you're not thinking about anything or anyone. Thank you, Ling Ling. Um, <laughs> Cece's chuckling at Gigi's comment. Yeah, in the moment, it was kind of like children can think about things so differently. Like she just thought, oh, someone is like, she must be trying to hit a fly or mosquito or something. Swatting flies was what she was thinking. Thank you, Bonnie. says sometimes it's difficult knowing who to trust. Even the church will let you down. Yes. That's why I think having an overseas connection might be a useful thing to do. And speaking to a professional who they have a professional obligation to maintain your privacy. Um... Liliana says she's looking at an answer to what she perceives to be a wrong management on her care at the HSA. Maybe someone should listen and give her a satisfactory solution. Well, Liliana, I can tell you, if you go back and listen to the interview that we did with the governor last week, even the governor invited her in and he listened. I think the problem is that her solution is not a viable one or a logical one. So she has actually advocated violence against Dr. Lockhart and his wife and other things. And so you can't entertain that sort of a solution and she will have nothing else. So she does have a very interesting perspective. Um, she talks about, for example, always bringing down health and, I mean, hell and um, brimstone on the community. So remember when we had that earthquake over a year ago, January of last year, she takes responsibility for that earthquake. So she says she caused that earthquake. Because if you've ever listened to her, she will often say that um, she is, she basically curse, puts curses on people. And that's the kind of solution that she's looking for. Obviously, Liliana, nobody can engage in that type of solution, if you know what I mean. Thank you, Sasha, for posting the second part of that. Kimandi is a private um, facility with well-seasoned staff who are passionate about this field and knows that gossiping is not assisting their patient. Teach your children from young to speak to you and be genuine in their feelings and confide in you. If you need assistance, please um, seek help. And there's a USA hotline. If you need immediate help, thank you for sharing that hotline. I don't know if it's, again, toll-free from here, but these are the sort of things that we should do as a government. We should make these resources free and available to people. 
And Sasha says, you are loved, you will be listened to, and there are many places. Um, so thank you. Uh, Veronica says, religious is a personal thing. Um, so there is help, I think, is the bottom line. Um, Jonathan says, what's a hypermanic? Well, what medication in pill form is she given to keep her calm? Well, here's what I've discovered, right? Yes. So I don't know if I told you guys this or not, but when I was um, in university, I had the opportunity and what I considered a privilege to meet the first person I knew with mental health issues. You know, last week when we were reminiscing about my life in Tampa, it seems like such a long time ago. But university life for me was such an opportunity because the first time away from home, and trust me, that was traumatic leaving home. I'll tell you guys about it one day. But there was so much growth during my university life as a young person for the traditional reasons as well as the non-traditional reasons, right? And uh, one day I'll delve into a little bit because I think you guys might get to know and understand me a little bit more and, and where I come from and why I've had to be such a tough cookie in life because life will make you It'll either make or break you, as they say, right? So um, it's, I met the first individual that I knew about that had serious mental health issues, and he was um, bipolar, what we call sometimes manic depressant. And you know how I met him? I was out on the track exercising, true story, and I'm like walking and running and walking, you know, like walk for a little bit, run for a little bit. And here comes this guy who's like running at the speed of light. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Like he keeps going around the track. And I'm like, damn, this guy is like got a lot of energy. So at one point when he was doing another lap, um, he stopped and started talking to me. And I thought, okay, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Right away, I knew that it was going to be an interesting conversation. And immediately he opened up about his mental health issues. And uh, the funny thing is, I worked at a school newspaper at the time, the Oracle. I just told you guys the other day, I'd even forgotten the name of it. And he was also there, but he was on the production side. And I'd never really paid any attention or noticed him or anything. But this day, when he stopped, he's like, oh, yeah, I see you at the school paper. You're a writer, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah. So we started talking. And when you talk about someone who's manic, I mean, I know a lot of people look at, um, someone like a Kanye West. And we make fun of Kanye when he's having a moment. So when Kanye got up during the US election on stage and talked about very personal things about his wife and his family and how they were thinking about aborting his child and then he starts crying. He was, listen, that was a manic phase, right? When you're in a manic phase, you believe you can do anything, anything. And in some respects, that can make you very, very dangerous. So manic people think they can fly off of a roof. Like they're, you know, that's just how they'll jump because it's not going to kill them. They're going to fly. That's how they're thinking. So it might be difficult for us if you've never spoken to someone who's manic, you've never seen them in their manic stage, or you've never done any research on someone who's manic to even understand a little glimpse of what that's like. And so when this guy started sharing, we talked over a period of time, he started sharing his experiences and his life and what had happened. 
when he would become manic, which what I saw that day was the onset of a manic stage. So there's different types of bipolarism. And he was starting to go into the manic phase after just coming out of a depressive stage. And they believe, like I said, they can do anything. So that energy that I saw him running around the track, he's burning off all of this manic energy. And that's what I was talking about, Jonathan. When I say hypermanic, that's that's often what you see. And, you know, they will go long periods of time without sleep. Sometimes that's why they're wonderful artists, because they're going to paint a lot. They're going to produce a lot of music. You cannot deny that there is a clear connection between people who are suffering from certain types of mental health and their artistic ability. Because I think the manic phase makes them also hyper-creative and they see the world in such a different way than the rest of us. So whether it's musically inclined, like um, Kanye West, or whether you're Salvador Dali, you know, don't look at Salvador Dali's artwork and you think, oh, this is, I forget what what type of artwork we consider, but whatever. Um, This is so incredibly interesting. There was a mental health concern there with people like him and others who have become world-renowned. Their pieces sell for millions of dollars. And it's kind of like the good comes with the bad, right? So they get this artistic ability, but it also comes with the mental health issues, or I should say the mental health issues come with, I don't know what comes first, but they're definitely connected. So when I look at Laval and I see the energy that she has, she reminds me of this young man who had all of that energy. And he was saying to me that he actually, um, a few times in his young life, because we were just in our early uh, 20s at the time, that he'd actually been institutionalized when he's in a manic state. And what I say institutionalized, I mean literally put in a straight jacket because his manic phase was so crazy that they were afraid of what he would do and what he had done. And um, it's, you know, the medication, like I said, helps and they try to put them on it. But a lot of times it's very, very difficult disorder to get under control. The other problem is when they start entering different phases, they come off the medication. So you can only give someone medication, try to impress upon them that you need to take this every single day. And like all medication, it has other side effects. So a lot of times it doesn't make them feel great. You know, they'll talk about other things that it does to them, that feelings that they do not like. It might impact their, you know, sexual performance or just other things. And so um, there's that difficulty as well. And then you have people who will mix medication. They want to be able to drink. And a lot of these medications, you can't take alcohol and be on the medication. And, you know, that creates other complications because they want to be able to drink and so forth as well. Dr. Frank, thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Frank says, Sandy, your shows are a blessing to us all, but we have to be careful about definition of mental and social dysfunctions. The challenges we have is protecting your egos or the idea that there is a central eye becomes more difficult and organized yet alienating modern societies. 
Yes. Uh, Jasana says there's also a stigma around taking medication in our society for mental health. People need to change that mindset. If you have kidney disease, you take medication, yes, to help keep you alive and your brain is just another organ that has imbalances and sometimes need medication to make it better. I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, Sasha, thank you so much. Well, uh, that's, an, that's a whole other issue about what health insurance covers because a lot of times health insurance um, does not cover enough, nowhere near enough of the treatment that people need. Not just mental health, but mental health is a big issue. I mean, I hear of things like, oh, you get one session every whatever period of time. And I'm thinking, how can you dictate to someone that you're having a mental health issue and you get one counseling session that's going to be covered by insurance? To me, that's just crazy talk. And so this is where we need legislators to now be able to step in. Certain things like mental health, um, any sort of special care for children in particular, special needs children, there shouldn't be a cap on that sort of stuff for insurance. Now, I know what, what I'm saying to you because those things can be really expensive. Did I tell you guys, thank you, Sylvia, for listening. And she says you're so knowledgeable. Did I tell you guys in the U.S. Um, just about maybe three, four weeks ago, I was listening to NPR. And you guys know I love NPR. And they were saying how CVS Pharmacy in the U.S. is now offering counselors, mental health professionals in their store because they found that access to mental health professionals, especially during COVID, was becoming more and more challenging for people who needed it. And sometimes when you call to speak to a therapist, it would take you months to get an appointment. And hello, if you're depressed, if you're feeling suicidal, you don't have months. You need to talk to somebody now. So they actually decided because of that to start putting mental health professionals in their pharmacies that you can literally walk in, ask to see someone, and within five minutes, you're sitting in front of someone. Instead of someone telling you, oh yeah, we can get you an appointment in a month. Can you just hold on and don't kill yourself in that time? Because sometimes that just isn't going to happen. And the delay will literally cause you your life. So I thought, wow, that's great access. We have to be more creative about how to give people access to the professionals that they need. Sticking somebody right in a pharmacy. Why not? Um, Soka, we mentioned that earlier. And it, ha- it tends to happen in younger people. And I think it is one of the, um, it's one of the, the, downsides of the medication and I think the hormonal hormonal aspect of being younger is that you tend to find that it will increase thoughts of suicide. That's the very medication that you're, ta- you're taking to control the situation. And that's why people who are put on medication have to be v- very closely monitored. And that's, that's right. That's what Sasha says. This is why medications require being monitored. And different people are affected in different ways. 
Sylvia says one mental health, one mental state is when uh, someone find the need to cry and others don't bully them to feel good about themselves. Should this be medicated too? Um, well, I guess the question that I would ha ask Sylvia is why is a person crying? Because, um, sometimes tears are, are very understandable and they're very appropriate, but if you find that someone is going around crying for what appears to be an unknown reason, then there's probably something a bit more drastic going on that needs to be addressed. So there's some additional issues. So listen, this morning's discussion has taken on a life of its own. We've been talking about mental health this entire time. That wasn't my intent, actually. But, you know, in this program, we take the conversation where it naturally flows. And uh, maybe we all needed to have a little bit of that conversation this morning. So let's talk about a few other things that happened over the weekend. Um, we had, unfortunately, another loss of life. We've had several people die over the weekend. Good morning, Barbara. We had a young lady who was preparing to leave the Cayman Islands on Wednesday. She was a nurse, nurse at the mental health, uh, a nurse on the medical ward at the HSA. And unfortunately, um, her life was tragically taken. And um, by all accounts, this is an extremely sad situation. Her name is uh, Kariah Perkins-Williams. Her and her husband were preparing to leave on Wednesday, we understand, to return to the U.S. in order to, um, you know, start a life in Arizona. I think he had gotten a new job there. I understand he works in the compliance industry. And so they were packing up to leave. And she was actually preparing that night that this incident happened, Saturday night going into Sunday morning, she was out celebrating with some of her coworkers when tragedy struck. They had gone to the cabana. Um, someone actually sent me photos of them celebrating out at cabana that evening. And who would have thought that within no time at all, her life would be, you know, taken and just snuffed out just like that. So unfortunate. Now, there was a little bit of confusion about who was involved in the incident because the driver of the vehicle, he was actually driving his friend's car. And I don't know why that was. Maybe the friend had had too much a drink um, or he was just not feeling that he could handle driving the car. I don't really know, but obviously this entire situation is just incredibly tragic. So these are the young ladies, their coworkers. One, uh, the young lady on the right is now unfortunately deceased and her coworker has fractures and facial injuries. And this was them that night out celebrating, happy. And Within moments, your entire life can change. The young man that they have arrested and charged so far with, not charged, arrested on suspicion for careless driving is a 26-year-old 
Nicaraguan Caymanian by the name of Kesley Ebanks Martinez. He works at CNB. Everybody says this young man is such a nice young man. And this is just one of those things where it's going to be a tragedy all the way around because now his life has changed forever. He's going to have to live with the fact that someone's life was taken by him because of whatever poor decision or decisions he made that night. We understand that he was driving um, on the wrong direction or the wrong side of the road. He somehow crossed over into another lane. And I don't really know what caused that or what happened. I guess as the situation progresses, we will certainly learn and hear more about it. But my condolences to her family. Her uncle actually posted something on social media about it to say that his niece had been tragically killed in the Cayman Islands. And I mean, can you imagine literally days before she was set to leave Cayman? Unbelievable. Um, ugh, just hor horrific. Absolutely horrific. Uh, wow. Definitely our, our thoughts and prayers go out to her family and um, to his family as well, because no, no one walks away. There's multiple people now in the hospital injured. There were other passengers in the car who um, have also sustained serious injuries. And so no one gets to walk away from this unscathed. And this is why I think that we need to have so many conversations with our young people. It's like one, one decision, that's all it takes. One decision can change your life forever. One decision can take somebody else's life. One decision can just ruin countless lives, you know? Oh, it's just unbelievable. And it's the sort of thing that I don't even know. Everybody's going to need counseling. Everyone's going to need help. I mean, look at this, look at this SUV. So the owner of the SUV is not the young man who's driving it, but it was his, his friend's family car, apparently. And that's why there was so much confusion about who was actually behind the wheel initially. But the police have arrested uh, the young man that we see here, young Kesley, 26 years old. They also had the wrong date of birth or the wrong age, I should say, on their press release, which could confuse us a little bit about who was actually the driver. So very tragic situation, I think all the way around. Miss um, Jackie, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Jackie Neal works tirelessly for people in our community who are suffering from mental health. She says, Sandra, thank you for all that you do to champion this cause. Your support to me and loud, silent voices is much appreciated. You're welcome. And I know what you do is, I mean, it's so hard. Yes, Miss Sue, this is a very sad situation. Um, yeah. So there were rumors that he might have been drinking. The police have not said that. 
at this point, they have just arrested him on suspicion of careless driving. I think as they build their case, they will certainly be looking into it. Um, but every single Friday, you guys know as part of my fr Friday message, I'm hoping, I'm always praying that there's not a weekend accident. I say it just like I did this past Friday. Don't drink and drive. Don't smoke and drive. You know, don't speed and drive. Just be careful. I mean, our roadways are not complex intersections and, you know, it would be so easy for us to avoid um, accidents on the roadway if we just took a few precautions. And unfortunately, here we are, another weekend. And um, I'm having to talk about this again. I, I hate talking about death. I hate talking about a young lady who's in the prime of her life at 32 years of age, who had her entire life ahead of her. You know, she was going to move back to Arizona. She was going to be trying to start a family with her husband. She was a nursing professional. I mean, the whole situation is tragic. This young man probably had a very, he'd been working at CNB for over four years, probably had a very bright future with Cayman National Bank as well. And then others um, injured, physically, emotionally scarred for life and so on. Let's take a little break, folks. Um, uh, CEO Banks is asking for the police to do something. I think ultimately it comes down to personal accountability, folks. All right, let, let's just take a little break. I feel like we've had such a heavy morning already. Um Big shout out to Miracle Brokers. They are one of our corporate sponsors here in the program. And they make uh, what we do here every single day possible. Miracle Brokers International is Cayman's premier source for all your packing, moving, and logistics needs. Whether it's moving a baby grand piano for a concert or moving halfway around the world, we have you covered with our team of local and international experts. MBI has over 30 years of industry experience and are able to get the job done for you right the first time. Contact us today for all your packing, moving, shipping, and logistics needs at 949-5989 or email info at miraclebrokers.com. So you're saying I can ask this cat any question? The cat is connected to the computer. You just type in the question, it will read his mind. There's the answer, Cole. You're the man! I've been looking for this for weeks. 
All right, folks, um, welcome back to the program. So in other news over the last couple of days, there was a young lady who was featured on, I think it might've come out Friday afternoon, a bank employee who had stolen some money from, um, she worked at Fidelity Bank and for a period of over two years, she was actually involved in stealing a significant sum of money from customers at the bank. Now I've heard a few people say, and I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that as Caymanians, this is our thought process. Well, these banks are ripping us off, you know, highway robbery, blah, blah, blah. So who cares if someone steals from them? Now this is such a beautiful young lady. I'm so disappointed. Um, she's had another incident where she was charged with careless driving Um where she ran somebody off the bypass. I don't know if you guys remember that uh, some years ago. That person is lucky to be alive. In fact, because her injury, she's walking, getting exercise one evening and was mauled down by um, this young lady's vehicle. And so, you know, her injuries were very, very significant. And she almost died. And of course, this young lady got a little bit of a slap on the wrist because they said, you know, it was just careless driving. So you can imagine being involved in that situation in 2011. She wasn't sentenced until 2014. There was a significant delay because the prosecution, as usual, wasn't really doing what they needed to do. But the victim sustained life-threatening injuries, including a cracked skull, fractured clavicle, and scapula, fractured ribs and wrists, large laceration to her skull, forehead and left arm, and significant road rash. She was very, very lucky to be alive. So this young lady got 20, 240 hours of community service, Patrice Leanne Frederick, 35 years old. You would have thought that that would have been a bit of a wake-up call for her and a way to, you know, get her life uh, back on track and under control. Unfortunately, it wasn't. So she got a, bank, a job at Fidelity Bank and she went there and started stealing money, not from the bank, because believe me when I tell you, you can't steal from the banks. <laughs> they're going to find a way to get their money back. So you think, oh yeah, the banker, they're highway robbery. They're always stealing from us. Um, hello. You stealing from them has nothing to do with that. You're just a dishonest person. And it doesn't mean that the bank is somehow going to wake up one day and say, oh, right, people are stealing from us. So therefore, uh, we're going to stop um, charging you these exorbitant bank fees and taking your homes. And no, honey child, as a matter of fact, it might only make it worse, especially when it's your own that are doing it. Um, because then the banks are going to say, well, we're taking all kinds of losses and, you know, so the clients that she was stealing from, including Mr. Odell Smith, who unfortunately has now passed away quite tragically. He, um, was the owner of, of fix it electronics. And, you know, this is a man who has built up his business and who was working very, very hard. And so one of the things she did is she stole money out of his account. When he became aware of it, he um, made some contacts with the bank and then she started pleading with him to enter into a loan agreement with her to make it look like he had actually given her that money as a loan. 
And she promised that her parents, poor parents, would have paid that back. And I don't know if the parents even knew about the situation, but that was never paid back. And this is one of the lessons that sometimes when you're in a situation, folks, um, you just need to let the police handle it. Don't be entering into no side agreements, private agreements. So she's begging, oh, she's going to lose her job and so forth. Well, she ended up with something like five charges, um, four for theft and one for the transfer of criminal property valued at over $92,000. Stealing for a two-year period of time from Fidelity Bank. A few whistleblowers notified people in the Bahamas of what was going on, and they sent some individuals down here to carry out a forensic audit of people's accounts and transactions that she had been doing. They found that she used three primary methods of stealing the money, quite interestingly enough. Sometimes she would just take the money from client accounts, but you see, that's a little bit too obvious. You're going to get caught in a hurry with that. So the other thing she'd do is utilize internal wire transfers by means of fraudulent email instructions. Now, folks, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Imagine how much time it took to come up with this scheme and to actually execute it. So she would send an email pretending to come from the client and say, oh, I've received an email from Mr. Odell saying that he wants this money transferred out. And then she would transfer it out to other people and her like friends and acquaintances into their account and then have them withdraw it or she would take it out. One person even mentioned to me that she had approached them and they felt like, something's not right with this. So they refused to engage in it. And now that they're sitting here reading this article, they're like, oh my God, thank God I didn't believe this young lady. They said the story just sounded fishy. <sighs> yeah. She would go to other friends. This is what this person said. This is what they sent me when the story went up at 7.02 p.m. and they sent this, they're like, you got to be effing joking. She tried that same BS with me via WhatsApp and I turned her down because I didn't like the sound of it and cut ties with her shortly after she left Fidelity. And I told her I couldn't help and made up an excuse, though she tried all how to prove it was legit. Something just didn't sit right. This person says, wow. Imagine, suppose I was so fool and didn't follow my instincts. Uh, and Mayana, she is one of their best customer service agents. Hence why she was able to convince so many people to help her. And trust me, there was a long list of people that she convinced. I mean, the list was long. There were some 23 statements from different people. All sorts of people. And the irony of it is these people are just doing this as a favor to her and not even get anything out of it. So it's not like they were trying to be like, oh, yeah, give me $100. No, they were like, okay, you need this favor, no problem. Hello. Fraudulent email instructions prepared drafts written in the name of bank customers known to her that she would later cash and uh, sometimes straight withdrawal from client accounts. So that was the method of stealing. So she'd call, she'd like, what's that? Hey, Sandy, um, this person's giving me a loan. She always had a story. And because I work at Fidelity, 
I can't have them send it directly to my account. So um, can I have them do a draft? Like I have the email, I've got all the proof, everything's here. Can I have them send, make the draft out to you or we'll make it out to you in the bank. We've got the instructions and then you cash it for me and give me the cash. And people believed her. It's, it's not even that people are necessarily stupid. People just want to believe you. People want to trust you. So when you say something, people want to take you at your word. But geez, I'm peace. Lord knows there are too many liars and thieves out there. Prosecution says that she used the money to, fur to um, furnish a lavish lifestyle beyond her means. What a hot mess. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Anyway, last week, uh, the week before, she was actually sentenced to two years imprisonment for three counts of theft and one count of transferring criminal property valued over $92,000. Let me just say this. Two years is near, nowhere near enough. And um, it's the type of situation where, you know, we just need to... We, we just need to get, get on it. Uh, I don't condone this type of behavior. There is no reason why this young lady should have been engaging in this. And so um, I don't know what to say, except this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, she'll have a little bit of time to at least think about it. And hopefully she will now learn a lesson from this situation. I don't know. She didn't learn from the first incident, so I kind of feel like Maybe this won't help her much, but we can only hope. All right. Uh, we're off to court this morning. We will um, continue to watch the robbery case, the Tortuga robbery case. We'll update you all about that. Uh, I've got a message here that Darren Ebanks is in court. This is the one who went ballistic one night. Um, going a little bit crazy, attacking different people, and he has pled not guilty, ironically enough, so he will be going to trial. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that pans out for him. He even threw the very dog up against the wall. There's certain things that make me want to, like, just hit somebody. You know, normally I'm not a violent person, but there's certain things that really piss me off. Like, if you do stuff to old people, look at this crazy hair, people. That's one piece, like, sticking up. Um, okay, get back in place. <laughs> there's certain things that you do that make me want to just really smack you. And I think children, for sure. I think if I ever saw anyone assaulting a child, I'm not going to jail because that's a legal defense. 
And hurting an elderly person and hurting a dog or an animal, I'm likely to just grab you and, and beat you up. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about it. Who takes a puppy and throws a puppy up against the wall and holds a puppy by its limbs? Like, this dude is sick. Trust me. If the allegations are proven to be true, they need to put him in a special holding cell in prison where he doesn't get all the cushiony treatment that most prisoners get. Uh, Luis, um, we discussed that earlier, actually, in the program. So I'm going to invite you to just rewind it once the show's over. Someone else is asking, is there any truth to news of a second suicide in Cayman Brack? Um, no, I heard that rumor over the weekend, yesterday, that a gentleman was said to have walked into the ocean and committed suicide. And I'm happy to report, I don't know what the source of that rumor is, but that rumor is not true. People have spoken to him, and I don't know exactly how it got started, but it is false. So it said that a particular person had uh, walked into the ocean purposely and drowned themselves in Cayman Brack. So that's not true. Um, I think a couple of things start to happen once there is a suicide, is that suicides tend to happen in clusters as well. I think part of the reason for that is when someone's been thinking about it and they hear of someone else having done it, they themselves are more inclined to give it a try. And that is why we need to have conversations around it. Instead of ignoring when it happens or pretending it didn't happen, I feel like the better alternative is to actually just talk about it. You know, so maybe those individuals who are contemplating doing this will have a think about once they've had other people, heard other people in the community saying, hey, hold on a second. If you need help, there are people who are here to help you. So that rumor, I'm happy to report, isn't true. All right, folks. Um, that's okay, my dear. That's the beauty of having the show on Facebook. You can always rewind or YouTube. You can always go back and watch it at your convenience. So let me... Uh, Thank you all for tuning into the program. My vehicle is going to be in the repair shop this morning, or not this morning, this entire week. As you guys recall, um, a lady by the name of Thelma, can't remember her last name, Ross, showed up at my doorsteps one day, one, one night actually, nine o'clock at night. And shortly after that, the CCTV footage showed that my vehicle was damaged overnight. Someone threw rocks at my vehicle, causing some $6,000 worth of damage. So the vehicle goes into the repair shop today and it's there for the entire week um, getting repaired. And, um, you know, the prosecution has decided not to pursue charges, which is crazy to me, to be quite frank and honest. But I've seen them with weaker circumstantial cases and they pursue those. But there you have it. Um, $6,000 worth of damage. All I know is Ms. Thelma Ross showed up at my door and hours later, she was ranting and cursing like a lunatic. 
And her husband came and picked her up. And hours later, my vehicle had rocks by it where someone had thrown rocks at it and uh, caused significant damage. I'm happy to say that as a result of that, we've increased security, both inside and outside of my home, as well as on the vehicle. So now the vehicle is covered with a 360 dash cam. That's unfortunate that you have to do these things. But I wish Thelma well. She is unemployed and um, started stalking me at court when I had my court situation. And, uh, you know, I just took it in stride. Because I know some people just not writing. And like I said, in the moment, you're tempted to just thump somebody on the head. And then I think to myself, no, Sandy, you've worked too hard in life to get where you are and to try to better yourself. And you only bring yourself down to her level and people like her when you engage in certain behavior. So um, I'm just keeping my cool. That's exactly what I'm doing. Kathy Wilkes. Uh, yes, child, this too shall pass. And at the end of the day, it's only a car. I mean, if she thought that hurting a car was going to do a whole lot of damage to me. Um, you know, it's only material things, honey. And uh, I, I am willing to bet that her inability to, to gain employment because of her own personal actions, which she refuses to take accountability for is going to be more detrimental to her than uh, what she did to the vehicle. So I'll be scooting along in my little rental this week. They need the vehicle the entire week to work on it. And there's still a part that's in back order. Oh my goodness. Beverly from Florida, Tony, thank you so much for tuning in. I wish all of you a beautiful day. I will keep you guys updated on what is happening. It looks like we might get more rain in our forecast. Um, let me just have a quick look at the court list. I'm going to tell you guys what's popping off this week. So we have the Canova, Watson, and Bruce Blake matter that continues. Uh, they are, I think, in trial. So they're on at 9.30 this morning in courtroom one. We have... Uh, Richard Edward Nash and Kazmik Cupid, a.k.a. Eve. A lot of people just know her as Eve. High Voltage, that's the Tortuga robbery case. We have Jashawn Anthony Johnson. This one's a case management hearing. I don't know what that one's about. I'm going to have to look that one up. And Evita Dixon. So those are the things that are in grand court. And, of course, summary court lists tend to be really big. There's a lot to be popping off in summary court, let me tell you. Uh, some days I don't even get to look at summary court, but wait a minute. Oh, here we go. Um, so summary court, lots and lots of things on that list. Um, somebody damaged a property, causing fear of provocation of violence. So one case that we're actually following is a Jada Tatiana Smith. She's another one who's in court for multiple thefts. So I need to actually get my, now that we have to fill out paperwork to view the court files, I'm going to fill out my paperwork in relation to this particular one because I need to do my story on that one. Anyway, folks, we'll keep an eye out for you. Um, yeah, Cece says she got touched the right car. 
trust me in, in the moment that it, like when I discovered it, when it happened, I got to tell you the truth. All of us are only human. And, uh, I was like, and then I thought, Sandy, don't react right now. Don't make a decision in this moment. That's going to impact your life. And I know they're looking for a reason. Lock me up, honey child. You know, those girls at North Fairbanks, they like, ooh, get Sandy in here. We got enough stories to tell her. They want to be having sleepovers. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I ain't about that life. I'm just, even, even with my crazy hairdo, I feel like I'm still too cute for prison. So, no, thank you. Anyway, good people, have a wonderful day. Uh, Cece said if, if it was her, she got fight with her. You'll get there, Cece, trust me. Cause I feel like if this has happened 10, 15 years ago, when I did even five years ago, when I didn't have a daughter, the response might've been very different. Cause you kind of feel like some people only understand a certain language with their level of ignorance. But anyway, have a beautiful day, folks. Uh, we will catch up later on and, uh, we'll keep you guys updated. And I guess you saw that article about the airlines wanting to weigh people. Oh, my God. Let's talk about that tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.